Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hi there, it's Laura Wasser. And if anyone knows how much divorce sucks, it's me. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces. Creating peace in families is how I lost my voice. From the top of the food chain all the way down to my very first case, which was my own divorce when I was 25. I wrote the book on divorce, or I wrote a book on divorce. It's called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, How to Divorce Without Destroying Your Family or Bankrupting Yourself. That book became a bestseller because it presented another option for ending a marriage, one that doesn't necessarily include lawyers and one that leaves more money in both parties' bank accounts and less animosity in their hearts. We created It's Over Easy, the one-stop breakup divorce resource online with the same principles in mind. So welcome to the Divorce Sucks podcast, where we talk about breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. Welcome to the Sunny Side Up Report. I am Laura Wasser. I'm Johnny Rains. Good morning, America. And this is the beginning of the Divorce Sucks podcast, where we talk about interesting things that have happened in the news, online, on the web, regarding breakups, getting back together, next chapters, etc. Dating one, over 40. Dating over 40. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about was this past weekend on Saturday Night Live, there was a oh, yeah. single dad sketch. Yeah, it's um, on our Instagram feed. It's on our Instagram feed. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, our, our friends at Fatherly, not so much. And actually, upon further review, maybe not that funny. That, this, is, this is the beauty of Saturday Night Live. They make fun of things that maybe not be that may not be that funny generally. It's not that funny that Donald Trump is the president, but when we watch Alec Baldwin, it's funny. So I, I think maybe fatherly, we don't need to take it that seriously. But I do want to talk about how there is this kind of paradigm of, you know, going to dads right, and right. it's miserable, etc. Set up the sketch. So, so for the skit I thought was actually really funny in the moment. But now in retrospect and after reading the fatherly article that uh, Ryan Britt wrote for them, I do see the point. And, you know, as somebody who's a childless, I guess, I don't know what you call the childless male, not a spinster, but a <laughs> spinstero. A spinster is if you're alone. You're not. So, right. Yeah. Nevertheless, I am childless. So it doesn't resonate the way that it might resonate with people who do have kids. But the article from fatherly, they make a very good point, which is that the stigma and the sort of uh, stereotypical dad's Christmas is not the dad's Christmas of today. So wait, notwithstanding the fact I asked Johnny to set it up, he just wanted to talk about himself. So <laughs> hold on a second. So it was December 1, Claire Foy hosted SNL, yes. and she appears in a sketch called Dad Christmas, which also features Pete Davidson, A.D. Bryant, Cecily Strong, and Mikey Day as a bad dad. What is Dad Christmas? It's basically just every cliche about divorced dads rolled into a musical parody of the Wham! classic Last Christmas. Divorced dads sit around and smoke cigarettes all day. Divorced Dads have scary new girlfriends, drink too much, and listen to Jimmy Buffett, and are in general pathetic. The a, a girlfriend, by the way, was played by Kate McKinnon, who and is she hilarious. Was funny, <laughs> call me Deirdre. With the cigarette. I so loved it. anyway, I did want to talk about this going into the holidays because if you are a dad and you are having a dad Christmas, take it up a notch. Yeah, come d- on, ditch guys. Deirdre and get somebody who's decent looking and doesn't smoke cigarettes when you're around your kids, and make it a little bit more like what. Christmas Christmas looked like either when you were a kid or when you were together. And if you're a mom this Christmas, 
Christmas. And again, the mom in this sketch wasn't terrible. She was just kind of didn't do anything. Tee it up a little bit better for the dads, ladies. Come on. It's really nice That's for you, point. too, to have a moment to yourself after Christmas, on Christmas, whatever. Make it so that your kids can really have a fantastic experience at both houses well, if possible. And I think that that's beautiful and well said. And that's the point that we're trying to communicate. I feel like with divorce nowadays, 2018 soon to be 2019, we know it sucks. And we know you didn't get divorced because you were having the greatest time in your marriage. But why do your kids have to suffer? Agreed. And again, I really, I do. I, I love Fatherly as a website. Um, they are great, not just for dads, but for anybody that's going through this. I follow them and I subscribe and, and you should too. Ryan Britt was the guy that wrote this article. It yeah. came out yesterday, December 3rd. Um, and I, I definitely would check it out and, and give it some thought. From our friends at MarketWatch.com, we got, should your late in life marriage have a prenup? And interestingly, like I've said many times, not every marriage needs a prenup, but every marriage needs a prenup conversation, meaning have a discussion about your expectations of your marriage, about roles each of you will play, duties each of you will have, what you can expect. Yes. Um, some of the interesting things noted in this article is balancing loyalty between a new spouse and children from previous marriages, mm-hmm. how to handle retirement assets in a late-in-life marriage, the nursing home cost in a gray marriage, um, and if you decide on a prenup, what process is best. So I, I definitely would check this out if you are someone who is thinking about or have a parent or friend who's thinking about a later in life marriage. And then my favorite. Yes. My favorite yes. that I sent you yesterday <laughs> from Mel Magazine. Guys over 40 get real about life on Tinder. Oh my goodness. I don't know if guys over 40 should be on Tinder. And according to this article, <laughs> they probably shouldn't. Basically, it talks about the experience that guys getting back out there into the dating world in their 40s may have. And this one starts out after Steve, a 41-year-old in Texas, Texas got divorced, he decided to jump back into the dating pool by joining Tinder. It didn't take long for him to sour on the service. He said it totally changed the way he thought of women and dating itself. Brian, 47, experimented with crude wordplay and rubbed his match the wrong way. <laughs> then he changed what? his bio and got banned entirely. <laughs> Josh, 45, fared slightly better, and then he switched to Bumble. So, um... This is, this is exactly what I think is the problem with, uh... Well, let's let, let's not lay it out like that. It's not such a problem. It's a, it's a symptom of modern society, right? People have the choice of meeting people in, in in public, like we discussed on an earlier podcast about you know meeting people in the cheese aisle at your supermarket. Yeah, or on Bumble or on Tinder. So it's a very interesting thing because it's like you're shopping for people based on their profile picture, which may or may not really be who they are. This is the question of the day. Johnny, do you know what DTF means? Ooh, don't take... Dancing... It's down to... Yes, if you put... Forget your profile, what you're shopping for. If you're down to... Swipe right. <laughs> That's a thing? Yes. That was not in the preppy handbook. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. And that's how we're going to end today. Uh, thanks for playing. Listen that, to us on the Divorce yeah. Sucks podcast. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Sunny Side Up Report. Johnny. <laughs> Ciao for now. DTO. <laughs> Ladies, boot season has finally arrived. It's the perfect opportunity to be the fall fashion trendsetter you always dreamed of being. And you don't have to spend a million bucks to do it. Live up to your style potential with a JustFab.com membership. 
millions of women say that JustFab is their go-to site to see what's new and trending in boots, shoes, clothing, and accessories. When you visit the site for the first time, you're given a style quiz. Once you take it, JustFab personalizes your shopping experience so your favorite styles race straight to the top. You can shop as a guest or become a JustFab VIP. And take it from me, becoming a VIP is by far the best way to shop. VIPs save up to 30% off on retail prices and gain access to tons of other exclusive perks. I signed up as a VIP and found everything I needed and stuff I didn't know I needed perfectly picked out just for me. And JustFab offers a flexible membership so each month you can choose to shop or skip. You shop the way you want to. Trust me, you'll love being a VIP member at JustFab. It's time to step up your boot game. If you go to justfab.com slash divorce now and sign up as a VIP, you'll get your first style for as low as $10. That's justfab.com slash divorce to get your first style for as low as 10 bucks. Justfab.com slash divorce. Go. Today's episode of Divorce Sucks is about falling in love again, which for those of you out there currently going through a breakup or a divorce may be the furthest thing from your mind. But at its over easy, we are hopeful romantics who believe in taking charge of our own destinies and making our next chapters better than the ones that came before. Before you enter into a new relationship, it's important to be aware of what didn't work in your last one. <laughs> Granted, if someone cheated on you or had an affair with the nanny, you may not feel like you're the one to blame. But in any event, looking forward, being clear on what you want in your next relationship is an important step toward finding it. Our guests today are two relationship experts and executive coaches who specialize in coaching people to their personal and professional best. My friend Erica Ferriston is the founder of Champion Leadership. She specializes in executive coaching in the political arena, and she is a contributing author of the book Winning Without Compromising Yourself, Unlocking Personal and Professional Mastery in the Political Arena. Jeez, I didn't think you could have a book title longer than mine. I think you beat me, Erica. I won! Her business partner, Jeff Stein, is leadership coach at Champion Leadership and has experience on camera, behind the camera, and behind the mic. He started his career in radio in Northern California, which eventually brought him to Los Angeles, where he produced and wrote for Rick Dees in the Morning on KISS FM. Welcome to the Divorce Sucks podcast, Erica and Jeff. Yay! Well, thanks Thank for you. having us, Laura. Yeah. Happy to be here. Erica, I gave a little bit of your bio, but tell us a little bit more about you and the highlights relevant to coaching people towards having at least better relationships in their interpersonal worlds. Yeah. So um, whereas my niche is working with um, political leaders, political staffs, I've been coaching longer than I'd like to admit. And when you've coached that long, you've coached pretty much everyone in every professional, in every profession, including um, the profession of stay-at-home moms, <laughs> um, married, divorced, getting married. So um, I have been there through many of it. And Jeff? Yeah, uh, mine was a winding road. Doesn't uh, Jeff just sound like a radio guy? Mine he, was a what are you winding talking road. About? What could he you does. possibly be talking about? Because um, <laughs> I work with this microphone. Uh, no, my background is radio. Work I've been it. making a living in comedy since I was 19, mostly in radio, but also in film, television, stand-up, my mirror, wherever I could make people laugh. <laughs> and then uh, uh, my last gig was for iHeartMedia as a comedy executive. And during that time, I uh, realized as a manager the the, the – 
ultimate boiling down of what you do is what I call an inspiration facilitator. Ooh, yeah, isn't that fun? Because mm-hmm. once you've hired people that can do the job, whether in my case they're comedians and performers, uh, then it's about the day-to-day process of making them feel like they're respected and appreciated and uh, you know uh, supported, as well as invested in the purpose and the you know the, the meaning of what you're trying to do. And so that. Uh, I discovered I liked that better than even doing comedy per se, and so I branched out and left that left my radio career and started just being an inspiration facilitator as well as a life consultant. And then I got together with Erica, and uh, we do together where we cross paths is through you know these seminars and workshops and team building events, which is really fun. And she's just amazing, awesome. She's like my work wife, and he's and, inspiring. And thank yes. you. And then uh, and then when it comes to my personal clients, you know. Um, I have not had a single client to this day that I didn't also help them with their relationships, whether they were dateless and desperate or on their way to divorce. Uh, the, one of the couples I'm, and I work with couples, of course, too. And one of the couples I'm working with now, which I'm really enjoying, is before marriage, right. which is getting them, you know, to define and determine what they want out of their marriage beforehand, rather than some of my other couples where I'm trying to figure out how to not kill each other and you know, in, in a divorce process. So. No, I think that's so important, <laughs> also, particularly, and we talk all the time on the show about how it's very important to understand each other's expectations going into a marriage yes. or a long-term relationship. Talking about them, which people don't. Everybody's just dreamy, romantic, whatever, and then all of a sudden the bloom's off the rose. Really <laughs> having a good understanding of how to communicate and how yeah. to get past bumps in the road, I think, are so important. Also, yeah. people going through a divorce or after yeah. they've been divorced and are co-parenting, for me, and I've got two co-parents, it's so important, this inspiration facilitator, what you were saying, making people feel feel important, making them feel appreciated. So often people kind of turn inwards and are like, here's what I do, and I'm in charge of everything, and you do the... If you really said, God, I really, really appreciate that you send me that check every month, or gosh, I really, really appreciate that you're able to like hang in there for an extra hour if I can't get home after work to pick up so-and-so. That's huge. Yeah. That is. is huge for co-parents. We were just talking about that. Um, you know, what you give is what you get. So by you giving appreciation you're going to get more of what you are appreciating. Totally. So, yeah, and I agree with you. Uh, I find that the couples who really have healthy relationships are couples that had the foresight to get into pre-marriage counseling and stay during marriage counseling, and it helps them avoid post-marriage counseling. It's like going to the gym or Mm -hmm. or yoga or taking a run. Like It really keeps your relationship in shape. It's a great Mm -hmm. analogy. Totally. We created It's Over Easy to simplify the legal process of getting divorced conveniently online into five intuitive steps, or four if you don't have kids. (laughs) The Over Easy universe includes a community of people who know every aspect of a breakup, from our social channels where people share their comments to the index of professionals we've curated for anyone going through a breakup or divorce, to our Insights blog where you can find encouragement and information relevant to your experience before, during, and after a breakup. We believe knowledge is power. This week, we're publishing the first of a three-part series written by our guests, Erica and Jeff, from Champion Leadership, entitled Every Relationship is Two Inside Jobs. The series offers a relationship script rewrite and some suggestions for finding happily ever after again. So, Erica and Jeff, what do you mean by every relationship being two inside jobs? Yeah, so before you can have a healthy relationship with another person, it's imperative to have a healthy relationship with yourself. So if you're looking for love, being loving with yourself. Um, 
if you're looking for a romance, believe it or not, being romantic with yourself, whatever it is you're wanting on the outside, giving that, being that yourself is the best chance that you're going to have with attracting somebody who's aligned with that and then also having the commitment to work through issues as you as you go through a relationship. Yeah, we like to say too, it's sometimes just the basics where, you know, your partner may or may not change, you may or may not change, but you can only control one of those two things. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Right? And if you're not bringing it, as Erica says, then you can't receive it. If you're not bringing appreciation, you can't be appreciated. If you're not, you know, if you want to be adored, you got to be adorable. (laughs) If you want to, if you want an apology, you got to own your responsibility for your actions. You know, it always comes from within. And that's part of, I think, why it's an inside job, including up to up to and including if you're in kind of a nasty relationship. Because even if your your partner is so much to the point of being abusive, you still want to summon your inner strength, your inner knowing, so that you can stand in your truth. That way, no matter what As you exit. As you exit. Right, the <laughs> you abusive the relationship. GTFO. Yeah. But, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, and so that's why we call it an inside job. But, and it's, it's, it's important to remember because I think in relationships, we get caught up in trying to focus on what the other person is doing totally. wrong. Totally. Right? Well, it's so much easier. I can think of so many things that the other person has always done wrong. <laughs> it's, I mean, I've It is so easier many. to look at them yes. and their faults yeah. than to look at your own and do the work that it takes to heal your own, address your own. So, yeah. Do you guys have situations where there's it's supposed to be two inside jobs, it's really one? We have so many people on the show that we talk to, and if it's two people and one is really doing the work and making the change and the other just is not getting on board, how does that manifest? What happens? I think in terms of the opposing magnet uh, theory that, you know, you, you like to talk about, I've heard some of your other podcasts about narcissists, yes. right? And you can't fix a narcissist, no, generally right. speaking. No, right? we are who we are. We're done. Right. Just, yeah. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> exit. <laughs> Nobody can fix them. And but so, be your best self as your exit. Right. Yeah. And so it's still the same rule applies where if you're covering your side of the street, then you will repel the other person. Either they will change or they'll be pushed away. And, and it's a sad thing to tell people that, yeah, I think this narcissist isn't going to change, but it doesn't change, right, who we have to be for the other side of that. Yeah. Also, I find, I mean, unless you're dealing with somebody clinically diagnosed as a narcissist, Right. Um, But if you're just dealing with maybe somebody who's not doing their part, but if you do your job, if you are working on your stuff and you're um, acting courteous and polite and giving and all truly, not just on the surface level. I have found in my experience, it will raise the other person's game whether they're working on it or not, it's it's kind yeah. of one of those magical spiritual things that happens. But when you're doing your part, it'll raise. Now, the question is, does it get raised to the Enough. level that you're satisfied with? Maybe, maybe not. But um, that if you do that and it doesn't get raised to the level that you're satisfied with and you are at the point, well, this relationship has had its arc and so I'm, I need to go ahead and end this relationship, that you're ending it from a different place than if you don't yeah. do your part. So yeah. you can't lose right. by doing your part. You will only win yeah. even if the outcome is not what you had hoped it would be, but it's going to be a better outcome either way because you've you've done the work you've raised yourself and maybe you've raised the other person a little bit at least to get to the point where you can exit in a more amicable way yeah, yeah and then so it's also, not a waste it, it's not a waste and also we often find t- uh, you know someone gets out of a relationship 
and then they get right back in the same relationship yeah. with different person, different story, but it's the same relationship. Why? Because they were too busy focusing on the other partner and their faults, didn't do the work within themselves. So even if you're in that relationship where the partner is not meeting you and you've raised your game, you are now a step ahead when you're out there yeah. wanting to connect with someone else because you're addressing your thing. So. Yeah, that's actually the uh, first part of our article, the Lego My Ego topic that we uh, came up with, which it, it, the idea, if I may, is the Lego not meaning let go, but Lego like the little plastic blocks. Yeah, <laughs> very familiar with them. Huh? Or, Jack. Jack, yeah, right? If you ever stepped on Erica's them. Erica's 10-year-old in, 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 Jack is here today, too, with us. I forgot to mention <laughs> them. I know, 10-year-old boys. You're probably just moving out of the Lego stage, huh? Right. You're a but he has an 8-year-old, so right. we still Legos, yes. We've acknowledged the 10-year-old in the room. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and so, Jack, and your Legos, uh, other than stepping on them and bare feet being very uncomfortable, as far as the relationship is concerned, uh, what we tend to do, which is what spinning off what Erica just said, is we try to fill the holes in our self-esteem or our self-worth or our needs by, getting, by taking the Lego blocks and building it up from the other person and requiring that they provide us with the missing links. Um, you know, like, I'm bad at finances. I'll, I'll get a partner who's great with money or I'm terribly disorganized, I'll find an OCD person. And you say, well, that sounds kind of simpatico. That's good. That worked. It was yes, but when you allow the other person in your relationship to fill in those parts of your self-esteem, you don't learn how to get over them yourself, which is what you were saying. And so if you come to the you know, your side of the street where you're trying to learn, wow, I'm bad with money, I should probably do something about this you know, paralyzing fear <laughs> rather than just finding somebody who right. has money. And so that's our first mistake. Mistake. I think the vast majority of people, wouldn't you say, Erica, that get into relationships are doing it because they feel empty in parts they're lacking and they're expecting the other person to fill it rather than seeing some sort of way to, you know, cohesively come together yeah. to, to add to the experience, which is a later part of our so part two. see a lot of people getting in, like, they'll say they're getting into it for love, but you start to dig deeper and it's about security. It's about all of these other things. And, you know, you want to work on yourself being secure rather than just being dependent on this person making you secure. And that's not to say that you can't, I mean, it's. I think it's great to find a partner that compliments you. Right. The yin and yang is different it's, than what you're talking right. about. Right. It's, right. right. So like we, Jeff and I have a business relationship and we compliment each other very well. Johnny knows this, but I don't like writing and he loves writing. <laughs> and so we have this great um, system where we'll talk it out together and he actually takes the notes. And I like then, words. And, I like writing down words. Right. But, <laughs> I'm a very good driver. Uh, exactly. I'm a very good driver. I'm but good. I'm not dependent on him. Like, well, you have to make me look like a good writer. You know, it's like I still have to learn that skill. But you can compliment each other. That, that so. is, yeah, that is actually a good point. You do that a lot. You're like, you know, I, I want to keep polishing my writing even though I'm handing it over. That's that's yeah. that's a good example of the relationship thing. It's okay. You know, I, I want to get better about this part that I feel terrible about. So, right. Yeah. So you yeah. can work together as a team and yeah. complement each other, but you don't want to get into that. Um, you have to fulfill this for me. You have to do this yeah. for me. Is that like a codependent relationship? Right. I, I would mean, say is it, is so. That, yeah. And yeah. how? And in terms of 
how do you coach someone towards awareness of ego-driven delusions, like a narcissist, I guess? <laughs> well, well, narcissists, different. we turn them over to qualified therapists because okay. we're coaches, so we get to work with people who... Who are, just have ego-driven delusions? Yeah, who okay. just have ego... And actually, the key of it was in your question, and it's awareness. Um, so you can't address anything that you're not aware of. So really um, helping somebody to become aware of something um, that I do in my coaching sessions and I know that Jeff does is first creating a safe space for them um, and a supportive space where we can bring up awareness. Awareness so without... vulnerable, yeah. Yeah, and, and so that they can't say, oh, maybe I am or okay, maybe um, and it's without judgment and then from awareness moving them into acceptance. Okay, well, I have this issue. Don't quite know what to do about it. That's okay, um, but I have this and then from there taking it to action. So what can we do about it? And I like to do something with my clients, depending on um, how big the task is or the goal or overwhelming it is, break it into three foot tosses. Um, so just, you know, a small step toward reaching that, um, you know, awareness, acceptance, action to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. So that's how I... Yeah, it's, 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 there's always the it. ongoing process of helping people recognize their own victimhood because it's right. hard to see it right. <laughs> yourself. So you're not realizing. You get so caught up. And, and the reason is, is you know, we all know this, but it's a good thing to go over is you're always seeking relief. Things like blame or revenge or complaints. The reason you're doing them is, is because it's relief from feeling, you know, shame or guilt or despondency or, you know, low self-worth. And so, again, the awareness first recognize that you're going through this cycle of just blaming your partner and, and to, to relieve your desperation of loneliness when we should look at the loneliness right. and accept that you're just feeling lonely. And there's a great thing we, Eric and I do too with the, we've done this in groups as well, is uh, neuroscience has found that just labeling what you're feeling moves it. They do these great brain scans where they say people tell you, feel sad. And they, you know, if you think of something sad and they feel sad and it activates the part of the brain, the experiential part of the brain. And then when you tell them to just spend the next five minutes saying, I am sad, it moves it to the observational part of the brain, which puts just enough distance into it that you can think about whether or not you want to continue to choose that feeling. That's amazing. Right? I love that. That's right? amazing because I do. I've had so many mental health professionals say to me, just be in the feeling for a minute. Just yeah. feel it. Because so often we're trying to figure out anything to do other than feeling it. Feel it and then yeah. and then you can observe it. What, what does happen with you guys? Like you said, if you get a narcissist, then you're going to send them to a clinical professional. <laughs> I have so many and clearly I I'm not qualified to deal with this, but I have people that come in and say, I'm married to a narcissist. I'm married to somebody who has bipolar disorder. I'm, and I say, okay, wait. First of all, not that it really matters for the purposes of this discussion in, in the lawyer's office, right, right. but is that a clinical... Uh, who, how do you know that? Did you read an article online and you decided <laughs> that your, your partner is a narcissist or have they actually been diagnosed? Right. So, okay. So, first of all, as coaches, we coach the person, not the problem. So if the wife who is not the narcissist or the husband who's not the narcissist is my client or Jeff's client as coaches, we're working with them, not not the husband or the spouse. But I am a certified coach for the International Coach Federation. And in our training, 
we learn, you know, we do not have the education that a therapist has. And so there are certain um, things that it is not appropriate for us to work with a client. So um, I'll just give you an example. I did have a client I was working with once, and I was the first person in our coaching session where she admitted that she was an alcoholic. Mm. So that's one of those areas. If somebody said, I am a clinically diagnosed narcissist, I mean, that's where I would have to investigate. Are you working with a therapist? And then I would want the therapist to let me know if it was okay to coach. So with the person who admitted they were an alcoholic, um, gently, carefully, in a safe, loving, nurturing way, um, just kind of let them know that wonderful. Um, we're going to move you to somebody who can support you with this. I don't have the education. And what's interesting, because alcoholism is a cunning and baffling disease, the client wanted to continue working with me. But because of my education, I knew cannot do this, that could do harm, have to transfer them. And just basically got to the point is when you get settled with your therapist, have them contact me to let me know that um, you're in a back. place. <laughs> Where therapy and coaching would be a good fit at Got this it. time. So that's how we would handle somebody with, you know, a clinical diagnosis. <laughs> Got it. The holiday shopping season is in full swing. Don't panic. I'm about to give you the perfect gift for the most important person in your life. You. It's called FabFitFun, and it's a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. The winter box is fabulous. Who'd have guessed? It retails for $49.99, but it always has a value of over $200. The box has skincare from Glam Glow, Kate Summerfield, Dr. Brandt, Anthropology and Juice Beauty. Fashion items from Vince Camuto, Bear Paw, Free People, Michael Stars, Trina Turk, and Millie. Beauty products from Tarte, Moroccan Oil, Beauty Blender, Oscar Blondie, and Zoya. That winter box is available now, but sign up fast because they sell out. You won't want to miss this box. One of the things that I love from the box were these over-the-knee, totally yummy socks. The Moroccan hair oil was fantastic. And also, the Glam Glow skincare was really, really amazing and good for summer when your skin gets dried, when I'm flying a lot, when it's really cold outside. Check out www.fabfitfun.com. Use the code DIVORCE at the checkout so you can save another $10 off your first box, making it only $39.99. Again, that's fabfitfun.com. Use the code DIVORCE for an extra $10 off. In the season of giving, don't leave yourself hanging, baby. You deserve to treat yourself. Go to FabFitFun. Alexa isn't the only one with breaking news. Make sure to hang around at the end of this podcast for the latest breaking headlines on the AP News Minute. The king of celebrity gossip is now on Podcast One. Kim Kardashian, I think she's nice, but obnoxious and annoying. Check out the Perez Hilton podcast with Chris Booker each week to get your fill on the latest news in show business and beyond. And nothing is off the table. I think he should take her last name when they get married. He's already her She should just be her officially. Check out the Perez Hilton podcast every week on Podcast One or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Most of you listening today probably didn't tune in to hear Laura Wass or the divorce attorney because you're living in matrimonial bliss. If you are, that's great because the Divorce Sucks podcast really is for everyone. And our guest today certainly can talk to us about how to keep a relationship strong and going and evolving. All of our relationships have the potential to improve by learning from the causes we've made in the past and their effects on our experiences in the present. Today on Divorce Sucks, we're speaking with two dynamic executive coaches from Champion Leadership, certified life coach Erica Ferriston, and her business partner and fellow leadership coach, Jeff Stein. What we want you to know after listening to this download is the more awareness you have of your motivation in your relationships, the better your relationships are likely to be. So guys, obviously, all of us are very tuned in to what's happening in our country right now politically. (laughs) When you're working with couples, because this has been asked a lot over the past couple of of years, working with couples where they have differing political viewpoints, do you see that often as a problem in their relationship? I think it's bigger. I think it, it indicates... Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to overgeneralize the politics right now, but politics in particular, I, I like to say because I love politics. Yeah, and I, think, and <laughs> I reason, know Erica does. Too. <laughs> yeah, and we, she does. We both do. And and I think when you're in the sport of human development and discovery and evolution, it's hard not to like politics because it is the rough, ragged edge of victimhood. Mm-hmm. You know, we use our politics as a way to relieve. It's like a relief valve on other parts of our lives. And so if I deal with people that have a political difference i like to peel it back to what's really going on which is why because if you if you were in a great state of peace and knowing about your life and felt and woke up every day feeling wonderful about who you are and what you were doing politics would be this fascinating you know blood sport that was going on on the side of the road right right you would just look at it neutrally and observe it but when you see people freak out and yell and scream and obviously take politics super personal that indicates that they've got a giant river flowing underneath that that they're not dealing with a huge river of victimhood that they're releasing through sometimes it's sports sometimes right. it's you know but it's right. politics right it's a way to just get mad for a while right? and and pr- particularly right now at this time in our yeah. country it's so polarizing have you seen couples where one person comes in and is just an avid trump supporter and the other isn't and this has caused a problem yeah, for them yeah. i it's mean it's weird yeah the mary madeline james carville kind of situation <laughs> yeah, right where it's just like that's, how do these people get along that is interesting like and kelly and conway and her husband right yeah. it's like how do you get along <laughs> well right i think it's all about Again, it's about victimhood and how deep you're going, because if that's what you need for relief, then (laughs) you better look at that. I'm seeing more of that in, um, like, parent-child relationships more than I am in um, spousal relationships. Okay, I got that. Um, But uh, what Jeff was saying is... um, you know, taking it to the deeper level. Well, what's going on here? Well, I feel like if you're talking about, say, women and what's going on in politics, well, I feel dismissed. I feel belittled. I feel unseen. Right. We see that playing out on the larger scale. And it's like, and so is, you know, is your spouse's um, political viewpoints, you know, tapping into that? Well, let's look at that. So that's where I would go and just to see if they could um, move to the deeper level of that in the healing and just leave the politics on the surface. Right. And I mean, when the bitterness does set in and you just don't want to become so embittered or burned out that you have no further interest in finding somebody else or have lost the ability to respond if somebody comes into your life, how do you then kind of in terms of the next step coach your clients? 
when they're done and they're want to give up kind of place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think it's to me. It's, Go ahead. It's a, it's a redo, and that's one of the actually the second part of our, our little article is doing the marriage math, which is do why do you want to get back into a relationship? We have to redefine it from the ground up because uh, because you probably deal with you're dealing with people that are coming in for divorce, so they're at the end of that rope of despair and their definitions of relationships at that point are probably just so dark right yeah. <laughs> right and so it's like you've got to start over again and redefine it and say well what and it's funny because eric and i will ask our clients you know what wait why do you get married why do you think marriage exists and they'll say obvious things like love or or you know friendship or or kids or parenting but to us it goes even deeper than that it's like well, what are you really trying to get out of it and we have a little catch word which is you're trying to multiply your experience and allow me to explain if I may Please. it's like you know if you get on a uh, you can get on a roller coaster by yourself and it'll be fun you might be excited you might scream a little but no, right? get, or going to a movie theater yeah. to see a movie I totally right. get what you're saying yeah. having that shared experience exactly yeah and I think people forget to define their relationships as that again instead of building Lego bricks to, to, to defend your problems you should say well how is this person doubling my experience uh, what what do we do and you don't have to do everything together obviously right some things you don't aren't congruent but then when you don't it's nice to have somebody to share what happened with yes yeah i think that's one of the great definitions if you're in a good relationships is if you can't wait to tell that person about anything you know that you're doing you know right or the other expression is uh when you come home you hope they're there right right Right. (laughs) and and so and that's the multiplication part and that's where if you can get into a space where you're where, where you're each you're coming together for the benefit even on the healing concept like you're you both have something you want to heal with. Like we're both really messy and we both want to do something about it. But as long as you're both coming with the intent of, of again, multiplying by being better, by creating a better circumstance than before. And you go, well, of course I do that. Well, really? Do you? You know, you have to be delivered about it. Right. You know? And I would look at somebody who's in that place of just feeling embittered. I mean, even the word, it's such entrenched, you know, um, anger or despair. And I would take them underneath that, you know, is their disappointment? What's yeah. the hurt? And work with that and and help them to know that they're worthy of moving out of embitteredness. And that right. may take a while and that may take, you know, again, um, some support before they can face, you know, and have tea with the right. bitterness, right. if you will, and start to unpack it and start to get, um, you know, where is the healing? What, you know, what do you really want? How is this working for you? Right. What's your ideal vision? And not that you necessarily have to get into another relationship, but walking around embittered, you're going to be at your experience of everything from job to friends to family is just going to be miserable. And, and, it's not and a you're good worth. Look. Not a good look. I think you have to define everything, too. I have a couple I'm working with where, you know, they're kind of on the divorce track, sort of, and they're trying to figure out, well, we want to stay together for this reason, but we can't stand each other here. And it's like, maybe you can come up with your own definition. This is one of the great things about our modern time is maybe you're kind of roommates and co-parents, and then you can leave each other alone otherwise. I mean, I don't know. There's no, that's, can... that's I do that all the time. Yeah. Thinking outside of the box with couples, making your family work, although it may not be in the traditional format. I mean, I believe in coupling. And I believe in commitment and co-parenting and raising kids together, having a family, growing old with someone. I don't know that you need to be married to do that. Right. I do love a good wedding, though. I mean, (laughs) I will say that. Nothing better. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think that, um, you know, like Jeff was saying, you know, we're in a time where things are being redefined and you have famous couples who've been in long-term relationships who aren't married, Oprah and Stedman, um, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, um, you know, John Corbet and Bo Derek. Come on. <laughs> so, yeah, I, be, I do think that, and you can speak to this, I mean, marriage gives you some legal um, aspects that might be beneficial. Like, I think we get a, a, a tax break for being married, which is a whole weird bit. thing. We don't get any tax uh, breaks in California, New York okay. anymore, though. So don't do anything. But for that. there's the um, you know the protection should you get a divorce when it comes to finances and custody. Um, but if those are not concerns, couple it up. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about it. Why did I, you know, because I was one of these guys when I first started. I've been married for 22 years and uh, almost 22. And when I first started, I was like a typical 20 something guy. I'm like, okay, we'll just do this. Chicks love this. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what's, you know, and also even just the marriage vows, they seem like such a thing about security. Mm-hmm. You know, I promise this, I promise that. And it wasn't, uh, I always like to say that loyalty isn't, isn't that great of a thing because loyalty means that you have to kind of ignore what is necessarily good or bad and just do it automatically for this person yes. because you promised to, right? And it should be defined more. And anyway, I, I, did, I was young and I, my wife hates when I say this, but I, I thought monogamy, really? You know, and all this stuff, it's like, is this going to work? Am I going to, you know, I'm going to dig all this? And then if you have the boldness to explore it and say, well, how is this mutually beneficial? How can this expand this? Then you get to this point where not only are you finishing each other's sentences, you know, the great little perks of being in a long-term relationship where you don't have to, the, the comfort level is so extreme. But I was like to say is when it comes to you know even like something like monogamy i don't I, there's no temptation because if somebody said hey jeff hey you wanna hey i'd be like <laughs> <laughs> right i'm very subtle i'd be like it, it, to me it would be I don't like know that, that would actually be is that how the girls that that's how we do it hey, hey jeff hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so you're absolutely right. Uh, so I always think that it's You've like definitely been married for twenty. I know, right? Years. Right. I have no idea what flirting is like anymore. <laughs> no, I I flirt with my wife obviously and fantasize constantly. But the um, <laughs> it's like if you're in the NBA and somebody says to you, "Hey, you want to go shoot some hoops behind right. the, the elementary school?" I'd be like, you know, nice, but you take decades to catch up with what I get out of my wife. So that's, you know, that's awesome. the benefit, yes. and that makes it you know easy to stay and, and grow and expand. So. Would Spike say that? Spike would say all of that. (laughs) Jeff, let's move on from your sex life with your wife and talk about how how other passions can be shared with your spouse that multiply your experience. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because the point is to grow, right? Is to expand. Life is about evolution. You didn't come here to just get things done. You came here to grow and improve and be uh, self-realization ultimately as well as a joyful creation. And so in a marriage, that gives you the opportunity to have someone... They're always with you who can give you the, the honesty and the support and the love to, to, to be your better self. And and again, it goes back to, you know, there's that funny line from Jerry Maguire where he says, you know, you complete me. And and don't get me wrong. One of my favorite romantic comedies. I love that line. Lo- love that movie. And we all love Bad that line. line. But then, <laughs> right, right. Erica? And Jeff will tell you why. Well, because, you know, it, it, it implies that you're incomplete. Right. And what you focus on expands. Yeah. So if you're focusing on how incomplete you are, 
The whole grows. You are the whole, the whole grows. grows. Exactly. And you so you you don't want somebody to complete you, you want them to compliment you. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. wanna you wanna have it all within you and find somebody that has it all within them. And you guys, when you're on the roller coaster, you're laughing even louder. You're yeah. loving that movie even more. You're making fun of that line together even more. And so yeah. that sounds easier said than done. I mean I guess my question is what happens if one person is constantly kind of open to that compliment, open to that evolution, open to that shared and multiplied experience. How long, and again, this is a case by case, I'm sure, but if it's just year after year where you've got the other person that's in a slump and he or she really just can't quite get out of it and he or she isn't helping with the multiplication and the sharing and whatever, how long do you, and and maybe they're really trying, but they just aren't, they're in a groove that they're stuck in, how long does it usually take or how long for the other person to go, you know what, I've just been multiplying and multiplying over here on my own and I'm not getting anything back. I don't know how long, because like you said, it would be an individual, but it would look exactly what you just articulated. It would be somebody saying, you know, I've been multiplying and multiplying, and it's just not working. And Go ahead. No, I was going to say, this may be a completely radical idea, and some people don't like to hear this, uh, but the the perpetrator and the victim attract each other. Yes. And so there is that factor that you may be thinking you're carrying all the weight and doing all the multiplying, but you're actually in a deep state of martyrdom. Mm. Yeah. You know, and that we have to help our clients with too, because sometimes you think, because everybody can so easily look at a divorce too and say, when they try to, everybody automatically tries to identify who's the mean one. Right, right. Who's the, who's the perpetrator? Usually my client is the mean. I like the mean. I think the mean. (laughs) (laughs) You attract the mean ones. Uh, And so, you know, we have to tell them that to look, even if you're the victim and everybody, and, and the thing is when you are the perceived victim, you, you can always get support. Yeah. People always say, and if you're the one that's crying, everybody puts a hand on your shoulder. But you might be, if you're, if, you know, if you're crying in the first time, somebody just slaps you, it's like, okay, you have every right to be justified in your sadness. But if you come back every day and they slap you every day. Yeah. Wait, and there's a payoff in everything. Right. And so asking yourself the question, um, what's the payoff for me being a victim? Am I getting mm-hmm. attention? Am I getting support? You know, what am I getting out yeah. of being a victim? And then that's where you start to have the awareness to get clarity, make changes, whether it's to stay or go. And so tell us how how to do that in terms of really being able to compliment as opposed to just complete, which I still like the line, but the loving with soul, the final (laughs) installment. Thank you. Yes. Part three, loving with soul. Uh, You want to start this one? Yeah. So we've all um, heard the phrases, uh, be the change you wish to see, or you teach others how to treat yourself, or it's not you, it's me. And these, this is all good stuff, but we'd like to twist the words of John F. Kennedy for our marriage multiplying purposes right, and like, say ask what not what your partner can do for you but what you can do for your partner <laughs> terrible well, Massachusetts well accent. said <laughs> that was good I like that and, and by that we don't mean um, sacrifice or submission but yeah. we mean asking yourself what are you bringing to the relationship yeah. um, are you bringing inspiration or desperation are you bringing, bringing requests or demands rightness or kindness um, are you bringing forgiveness or judgment? Are you giving or scorekeeping? Are you loving with soul? Yeah, curiosity or stubbornness is the mm-hmm. other one 
I love the most too. Cause I you, do. You have to be open all the time, right? So I also like kindness or rightness. I saw there's a book out there that's yeah. called "Do You Want to Be Right or Do You Want to Be Married," which I love, or something like <laughs> Perfect. that. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Like, Good, be right all day long. But now, now you're yeah. alone being right. So yeah, you know, my gender unfortunately overly does that. We we mistake strength of conviction as being some sort of moment of valor, right? Instead of you know curiosity, which gets you so much further because even if you know you'd rather discover what is right is this than rather be always we're right. Yeah. About <laughs> yeah, so we're getting back to curiosity. But Laura, that title of the book, um, there's a phrase: "Would you rather be right or would you rather be happy?" Yes, yeah, yeah. that and one same too. thing is, yeah. Mar- and so that's a phrase you can always keep with you. And I find that when I'm in a situation and somebody's talking, 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 and I know I'm right. Um, <laughs> just shutting my mouth and I look at them. I actually have this trick. I look at them between um, like at the bridge of the nose because it gives the illusion you're giving eye contact. Yeah, it's a great trick. And I'll just silently in my head just say, I love you. I love you. I love you. Because it's it's taking me from like, I'm so right and I'm about to clobber you. It's mellowing me out. And then usually... Um, I'll be like, hmm, that's interesting. I haven't thought about it that way. Yeah. And then if I have to, I'll walk. Let me, let me get back to you on that. And um, that has worked really well and, and kept things happy because I don't, even though I'm right a lot, <laughs> I don't always have to let the other person know it. Yeah. Because I'm still right. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. And, and this isn't easy. This is the hard part uh, because, again, if you know, we're powerful creators and we wire our own brains. Even if you don't believe in the larger spiritual you know, consciousness of it, uh, you certainly wire your own brains. And, and those conclusions come back up you know, whenever that topic comes up. And so that's going to be always the strongest inclination, you know, whatever your previous yuck was that you had in your relationship. And so, like Eric it just illustrates. Sometimes you got to repeat something over and over and over again uh, until it starts to stick. That's why people use affirmations or mantras right. or what have you, right? Is because they're trying to create a new belief that they can they can live with and move forward with, you know, instead of these old. Because the ultimate goal is to be loved, loving, and lovable. Yes, right. Three L's after mm-hmm. three A's. I like that. <laughs> I think it's also really important that people at least have some potentially difficult discussions about what their expectations are, not just financially prior to getting married. It should even happen prior to people living together or just deciding to be in a long-term relationship. There's also a conversation happening on our Facebook page. Erica and Jeff, what do you think about Shasta's response to what William observes? And just for those of you listening, William says, I guess a lot of people don't believe in marriage or till death do us part. (laughs) Shasta says, yeah, it takes two people to make marriage and one of them decides to cheat on you. Then you don't have a choice but to get divorced. Wow, they're they're, yeah. they're almost like two people having the, the parallel conversation. They're not even talking to each other. Yeah, because you know Williams got this angst about well, this is death to all apart. This is what we talked about earlier in the Society show. Society like, is this, you know falling apart. There's yeah, no more death to us part. Right, and then and this is this this he wants that he wants the person to be bound to the promise. Right, right, and then Shasta it takes two people to make a marriage, and one of them decides to cheat on you. Well, now she's looking at another point. This is the deal breaker circumstance. Right, right, and that's a different paradigm altogether. And that shows actually the disconnect that can occur. Right. I wonder if they know each other. (laughs) Right. right? And and they they have parallel reasons for why the marriage should work. And they're both not they're both not on the same page at all. They they both should run. (laughs) Do you guys do you guys I think what he's saying is no matter what you stay married, that's just how it is. And what she's saying is, yeah, but if somebody cheats then you have to get divorced. I am assuming, but tell me if I'm correct, that you guys have worked with couples where one person has 
strayed from the marital bed, oh, so to sure. speak. Oh, um, sure. Can can we put it back together after that's happened? Absolutely. I mean, because that's not really the problem. Even, that's a symptom sometimes. Right. Yes. And we, I've seen, um, and through colleagues as well, marriages um, where that has been the case, and they've turned into incredibly functional, healthy marriages where obviously they weren't before. Right. Now, I've, I've never seen it work until you had a real discussion of what the victimhood is. In other words, if someone cheats, is the cheating, even the word cheat, right. right, has this heavily loaded, weighted word. And uh, I always had the people peel back and, and say, well, what's really going on there? And almost invariably, it goes goes to shame and embarrassment. Because really, you know, obviously if your spouse did something over here and hopefully they did it in some private area and it, you're, it, once it's over and done, there isn't like a scarlet letter on your head right. that says I'm, you know, embarrassed and humiliated. And yet, so you have to ask yourself, can you be in a circumstance and and rewrite the definition that I am embarrassed and humiliated and shamed into, no, this is, you know, sex is not what defines our day-to-day, our bliss. And so, but obviously that's a, could be a very large mountain for someone to climb and they may not be capable of it. And that gets back to that. You really have to work that, of course, because if you have a deep belief in the shame and the guilt of it, uh, you know, you got to <laughs> let a lot go. Yeah. yeah. Get Elsa and get let it go. And how does forgiveness <laughs> play into that? Yes. Isn't forgiveness everything, right? Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the path out all the time. And it always starts with yourself. Self-forgiveness yep. self first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in this case, in the case of cheating, um, you know, you're going to come up with a lot of things like, well, I must have done something wrong. I must or maybe, maybe I caused this. I wasn't pretty enough, smart enough, talented enough, there enough, whatever it is that you're telling yourself. So you got to forgive yourself, first of all, for feeling like you weren't enough. Right, and then say, well, what am I? Who, and, and that's the hard again. The harder part is to redefine it. But to say, well, wh- what, where am I? A gift? Am I a gift to my partner? Uh, because obviously, in the case of a cheating or wandering, you really feel like you're rejected. Right. Whereas, and then if you again, the inside job, right? If you can convince yourself you're a gift to your circumstance, I think it's one of the reasons why my marriage works is we think we're both a gift to each other. Right. <laughs> and just for clarification, I wasn't saying that if somebody cheats on you, it means that you weren't pretty enough. No, no, right. But that's right. why you might be feeling right. that, that and person. how about the perpetrator is that how do we let that person forgive him or herself because there's a lot of shame yeah. incident to stepping out again you want your spouse to forgive you but you have to also forgive yourself i see many people walking around with this terrible guilt Sometimes it's they wanted to hurt or they wanted to hurt themselves or they wanted to somehow self-sabotage. How do we help that person? Yeah, and again, you have to figure out why did – you're talking to cheater, yeah, if you will. Yeah. You know, why did you cheat? And you've really got to peel that back to the truth of it, not just – you know. And, and it could be, again, narcissism, in which case they're not going to get it. Right. But it could be somebody who goes, you know what? I just was scared. I was scared that I didn't have any value anymore, that I wasn't – like you say, same thing, good enough – and so I had to cheat because that brief moment of feeling the rush of appreciation, because I always like to say appreciation is the closest thing to, you know, source energy, the life of, you know, appreciation really represents who we are. Sure. We are all seeking it, right? And so uh, you got to forgive yourself and say, wow, I was seeking appreciation. Okay, how do I recognize it, to get it in my marriage? <laughs> and right. do I, can I get it in my marriage? Do I want to get it in my marriage? Can, again, can I multi- create a multiplying circumstance where we're, you know, adding to each other's appreciation 
Or am I just got so, you know, I have to work on this deeper and find out why I have such a hole in my soul, right. you know, that I'm so craving that I'm willing to make choices that I know are self-destructive. And so, and then the other partner has to figure out if this person is learning or right. if they're going to repeat that pattern over and over again because they're, they're going to go for the quick fix of appreciation instead of trying to go deeper and find out what's really wrong and what's really sad. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, well said. And um, for the cheater who really is sincere and learning, you know, what was that all about and not wanting to uh, and really heal that hole so that they're not putting themselves in that situation or accepting those situations again. And once um, the work is done and both have forgiven to really, it's got to be in the past. Mm-hmm. It's not something that, you know, Can come up every time somebody yeah. forgot to put the seat Right. Down. And just yeah. beat them with <laughs> the bat again, either the person themselves or the partner and understanding that that whole walking around with the oh I'm such a bad person and I'm so guilty it's like it's kind of a waste yeah move on like <laughs> let's do the healing work and yeah, yeah. kind yeah. of move on because that's not that's not getting you and anywhere. forgive yourself that it isn't easy you know it, it, it isn't something that you're just going to have instantaneously you know again loving with soul requires uh, your determination it's, it, it, it's, it, it's not hard but it requires effort right and the reason I said it is because once you make the effort you feel better right you feel enlarged and you feel and more closer and a commitment yeah it's a commitment to um, to being that person to walking that talk to loving with soul and it isn't always easy um, I'm just thinking of Williams here, you know, till death do us part. You know, um, people who have a commitment, a strong, strong commitment, we will work this out. Now, usually in that situation, it is going to take two people to have that deep commitment. We will work this out no matter what. And you will usually find those are the till death do us part people. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Again, loving, loved, and lovable. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. And as Ruby says, what you're seeking is seeking you. So if you are loving, loved, and lovable, then it will will come back. Mm -hmm. If you build it, It, they will come. come. (laughs) Like like Kevin Costner. (laughs) No episode of Divorce Sucks is complete without the interrogatories, which for those of you who've never been a party to any litigation, there are a series of questions lawyers ask witnesses during the discovery phase. On Divorce Sucks, there are a way to find out the answers to these important questions. So I, I now know both of the answers to this, but let's just tell our listeners as well. Erica, what is your relationship status? <laughs> I've been married for 17 years. 17 years. And Jeff, yeah, 22, 22 years? Almost 22. Shout out to the spouses. Yeah, <laughs> Shout out. Very, uh, she's so wonderful. Yeah. And favorite breakup songs, Erica. <laughs> um, this one always makes me laugh, but love stings. Love stings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about you, Jeff? I-, I love the visceral cruelty of Alanis Morissette's You Oughta Know. Uh, right? Yes. And then uh, anything by Adele, even her happy songs sound like break, breakup Adele songs. Adele is great. Uh, <laughs> yes. I saw Adele with my husband Spike in New York. It was so much oh, fun. Yes. <laughs> what would you say to cheer someone up going through a breakup? Let's say a friend, not a client. Uh, Maybe the same thing, but still. Uh, you know, I think it gets back to 
reminding them that they are a gift somewhere. Sometimes, you know, the, all you can give them on a breakup story is that, well, you know, sometimes you have to know what you really don't want in order to know what you do want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some, you know, and, and the reason it hurts so much, we have an expression, painfully obvious, that when something becomes painfully obvious, it's kind of a gift because it means you've had enough pain and you know what to do. Got it. Right? Erica? Um, for my friends, I would invite them over for a night of tequila drinking <laughs> and voodoo doll making. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, but I guess on a more serious note, I think there is just heartache is one of just the achiest aches that we can possibly have and it sucks and it hurts and I would support them in feeling it and keep feeling it because when you go through it eventually this too shall pass Mm -hmm. but you don't want to just skip right over it yeah, again, just pivot and it. call it what it is. I'm lonely. Hmm, right. Okay, what does that mean? In fact, I'm... I don't know if we have time, but one of my favorite poems is The Well of Grief by David White. Can I we read it? We have time. Go for it. So it says, Those who will not slip beneath the still surface on the well of grief, turning downward through its black water to the place we cannot breathe, will never know the source from which we drink the secret water, cold and clear, nor find in the darkness glimmering the small round coins thrown by those who wished for something else. Mm. Nice. In other words, you have to go through the darkness of the well of grief to find the source, the water, the dreams, the the wishes. The money. (laughs) Show me the money. And there you go. What romantic comedy could you watch over and over without ever getting tired? Um, I love when when Sally met Harry. When Harry Harry met Sally. (laughs) I like the way you reversed it. (laughs) Is that the sequel? That's the sequel, in my mind. Uh, Bridget Jones' Diary. (laughs) So good. The first or the twelfth? Which Uh, one? I know, right? The first. The first. 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 Okay, all right. And then I got to also throw in a High Fidelity. Do you know? Oh, totally. So she got to read a quote. Can I read a quote really fast? Because I think this goes with the breakup songs, right? That was a poem. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. This one's silly. It's from High Fidelity. I think it incorporates it anyway. People worry about kids playing with guns and teenagers watching violent videos. We are scared that some sort of culture of violence will take them over. And here it comes. Nobody worries about kids listening to thousands, literally thousands of songs about broken hearts and rejection and pain and misery and loss. That is true. Right? So- okay, Tipper Gore. No. no. <laughs> Well, I love your references. No, totally, totally <laughs> true. And and again, these this is life. We go through right. this, and these guys, my guests today, are helping us kind of deal with it the best way that we can. Thank you so much, Thank Certified you. Life Coaches, Erica Ferriston, founder of Champion Leadership, and her business partner, comedian-turned-DJ-turned-coach, Jeff Stein, <laughs> for your contribution to the It's Over Easy Insights blog, and for your perspective on relationships and how to have a better one. This time or the next time around. How can people get in touch with you guys after the show? Uh, well, you can try me at jeffs-world.com. That's easy. Or inspirationfacilitators.com if you want to spell all that. And championforleaders.com. Yeah, Got it. Erica with a K. E-R-I-K-A. Championforleaders.com. Yes. 
In the 21st century, people tend to couple up and have kids a bit later in life than they did a generation ago. Divorce sucks, and if you're a subscriber, you know there's more to the show than just divorce. We're disrupting the old conversation and changing the face of divorce. Share this podcast with your friends and tell them they can tap the subscribe button to get the next fresh episode, which drops every Monday. You can also ask me anything at It's Over Easy on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or leave a comment on our Insights blog, and we'll discuss it right here on the Divorce Sucks podcast, hosted by me, Laura Wasser. Divorce today can be, if not almost good, at least good enough to keep yourself, your sanity, your wallet, and your dignity intact, and your children safe, sound, and emotionally healthy. It's Over Easy is an entire universe of information, articles, and like-minded individuals with something important to say about breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on. Check out our Insights blog, read the posts we share on social media, and subscribe to the Divorce Sucks podcast hosted by me, Laura Wasser. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 television channels and thousands of movies on demand and completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. Are you getting that it's free? What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream.